Hello and welcome to an episode of Art and Labor where we're going to discuss something that was very important that was up all year and that <laughs> nobody got to see. But we'll yeah. tell you all about it. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, me and Sarah and Lucia went to see uh, Viva Americana at the Whitney. Um, and it was lovely. and. Um, we braved COVID to do it. Um, it was the first museum I've been to in over a year. 100,000% worth it. It's up until the 31st. Go see it if you feel okay. <laughs> it was up all year, but it's going to be yeah. up for like three more days. Get there. <laughs> do it. It's worth it. Catch COVID. Fuck it. <laughs> oh my God. No, don't. It's not like, that's the thing. It's like, it's like it's not really worth catching COVID for, <laughs> but it is like really worth seeing. Like, and uh, that was like the thing going back in my brain about it was like, I love the muralists. I studied the muralists in undergrad and um, really, really wanted to do the show. And then, yeah, it just kind of an anxious mess about like, should I go or not? Um, but. I mean, at least the Whitney has the outdoor area that you can escape to. Were you able to, like, enjoy watching it with COVID? I was able to enjoy it, especially because, like, me and Lucia went right at opening and nobody was in there, really. Yeah, it was magical. Everyone, go as early as you can to the museum and, and walk and stride with impunity. Look at everything get close to the images on the walls you can't you can't just get in anyone else's way it's a wonderful experience <laughs> that does sound pretty nice i mean you could also like um buy an uh, an under 18 ticket for nothing and um and nobody's going to check and they'll just scan your qr code and nobody's going to care allegedly also. Maybe I hear I hear a friend can do that. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was um yeah. It was an interesting show though. I, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about uh the way that they re uh or like they they recontextualize the narrative around the muralists and there was this there was this um I guess like one of the thing I've been trying to try digest is the way that nationalism uh came into play with the with these murals and how um it was really this like concerted effort of the government of mexico at the time to be like okay so we just got through this like the mexican civil war we don't want to be defined by like spanish conquistador uh culture we want to try to rebrand the country and what are we going to do? Um, we're going to have like this push to, um, you know, fund public art and we're going to decide what kind of like identity is going to be propagated through this art. So they settled on the, um, what is it? It's uh, like mestizo, uh, which is like mixed identity. And, and it's I like just Frida Kahlo's whole thing, yeah. Which is which is sort of like you know, it's an interesting decision to make because it's it's like 
all right, we're going to be it's like they it's like the melting pot thing that America has, but then kind of reimagined. Most people are some variation of mestizo. Um just because of the like I mean that's even how it is just in like on on the border of the United States. But I Right, yeah. yeah. Well, you're the Texan. <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean the I, I thought what was um awesome about this show too is that it it showed um not just the big 3 but also like their assistance work mm-hmm. and their um assistance on these things like um there's a couple of japanese americans and a couple of african americans and i think that goes with the sort of like ideals that they were trying to put forward like um along with like trying to raise up like abraham lincoln as like a a more um, uh, you know highlight the more liberatory aspects of abraham lincoln um that you know uh I think is a little generous of, of Lincoln, but that's, I get why that's like a, um, uh, I like of a thing to be promoting, especially during that time, um, where, um, which, uh, you know, like each set of immigrants, uh, to America have to deal with these like sets of problems. And it's like, and yes, we're talking about Mexico, but the one of the main parts about this show is the um, murals that went up in the United States, um, you know, including uh, Rockefeller Center. Um, I, I thought, like, I was not familiar with, like, definitely was not familiar with the controversy over Lenin's face being in that piece. But I also didn't know that there was this huge uh, controversy where American artists protested having this wall, having this uh, mural painted by somebody who's, you know, a Mexican man. And uh, to the point where they, they started protesting and he had to write an editorial to kind of put them in their place a little bit and it was like it was something that I I feel like you could have read today honestly um and for them to include that I think that was that was a good way to add dimension and they also included uh works from the resulting show from that original hissy fit which was a show <laughs> of all american artists um but working in similar similar veins. But well, yeah, there's this there's this thing like the it's kind of interesting about the way the Mexican muralists were hired by the American government and by people who were like these industrialists who wanted to get like the jump on the aesthetic trends and be yeah. like, "Oh, yeah, like, you know, here's this perfect marriage of like convenience and innovation where like Diego Rivera is very like um, he's like romanticizing industry and he's, he's like all too willing to just like step in and describe what progress could look like, which I just like, I was kind of struck by his um, like opportunism in a way where it was like, you know, he actually didn't, 
participate, I guess, in the Mexican Revolution. He was in Europe at the time. And then he kind of like figured himself into being this like voice of the revolution. But then he like went to America to actually play that out and become this sort of like, you know, Titan figure that like, you know, it's like he was so good at being this lightning rod for all these concepts, but then he didn't, he wasn't like, you know, like Orozco was actually in the revolution and he right. didn't want to make any propaganda because he was like, had PTSD. Right. <laughs> like, and that's what it, that's what it is, you know, but it feels like Rivera was just so good at kind of like hitting the moment and not the, um, the actual, uh, trauma of the moment or anything. <laughs> well, it's like, it's, it's like bourgeois people being involved in, in, uh, revolutionary uh, times in general. It's like, honestly, like good on him for sheltering Trotsky. Like, uh, maybe he could have done a, a better job on security. But- oh, like, well, Sequeiros, oh my God, was like the first one who tried to put the hit out because he was like of Stalinist, <laughs> like hardcore. Sequeiros, <laughs> and, it, and it shows in his work. He's like the, like, so, um, yeah, it's so brutal and bloodthirsty. <laughs> yeah, every single mural he that was commissioned got like whitewashed because it was too, too, too. <laughs> right. So like Rivera is is kind of playing both sides. He's the opportunist. He's the one who's like, I'm gonna make the deal with Rockefeller, and and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna sneak Lenin into here, and I'm gonna put Marx on it and Trotsky and yeah. like. Yeah. And Trotsky and, and Marx didn't get any flag, no, but Lenin not. did. Like, <laughs> what does that tell you, folks? What does that? T- <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny that I loved the letter. That letter was so good from from Rockefeller about, and it was it was it was exactly the kind of letter that you all have probably received in your lifetime. Which is, you know, I really love this, but I think that. Uh, other people will understand it. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe just a little too radical, you know. If for... you just replace the face with like somebody who doesn't exist, that would be better. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Yeah, I love the drawing of Rockefeller, like peering in and angrily looking. <laughs> yeah, the with his little oh. flashlight. Man, what's this? Miguel <laughs> Covarrubias. <laughs> that. Uh, that was honestly my my favorite takeaway yeah. yeah i i mean and that's like yeah that's really valuable to american history and it's like it's not just the, the protests of the the more american uh artists being like where's our check it's there's also the protests of people demanding that they keep the the mural at rockefeller center yeah uh, <laughs> yeah there's just waves yeah it's just like that's the, the 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 thing about history and like getting more into history is like all of these like sort of divisions like we think we're like a very very d- divided society right now or something and but it's like there's always been all these different um all of all these different parties and uh, all these different folks like protesting for different reasons oh, like yeah. there's 
Yeah. <laughs> it just like that that show is so neat because it shows the whole gamut of like conservative censorship, mm-hmm. um, like you know, uh nationalism. Yeah. And then like internationalism as well. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they included um the it was like the multi-panel uh Thomas Hart Benton piece. Is it it was like, you know, he's dealing with a lot of the same um the same the issues of like american identity national like what is nationalism in an industrial age like what is this um like what's american prosperity but then he kind of refused to align himself with any of the communist parties and then he's like slowly started becoming a like a deep conservative which is, I don't know. It's a, so to me to just see like that work end up in the same area as you know Siqueiros, who is like had to um, go back to Mexico because no one would renew his visa because he was like too yeah far left. <laughs> yeah, sound familiar with you know um, R.I.P. M.F. Doom? Like the same. Like it's like all this shit is just it's so obvious. It's so it's it's. It, that how it repeats but like i i yeah. like you know um i think that's like yeah there's so many different like little artists in there that um uh were interested to to think about in the the, the context of this movement I, I remember when i was um taking mexican mural class in um in college like feeling like like it really like opened up my brain in a way that like um I was taking all this art history and I was like, why do they just gloss over this shit? Why do they like they cover maybe a Frida Kahlo, maybe a Diego Rivera and like just none of this shit. And then it, and like just like kind of pulling that thread like eventually led me to like actually study Marxism. But like it's a gateway. It's a total yeah. gateway. <laughs> Gotta get rid of these murals. They're a gateway drug to Marxism. And that's why and, and isn't that why they, they erased the Rockefeller, you know? Like isn't yeah. that why? Yeah. Like, you yeah. you don't want to find out who these people are. They're bad for our identity. <laughs> um you know, because in the art history canon, there's like a clear white supremacist lens that um that we're taught in like survey if you're taught like jansen's um like if you look at like the different editions of jansen's it's like they slowly have to add more yeah movements that they just like neglect (laughs) um but it's like this this is like a huge like this is like this is like history. This is like the art that actually like was moving things. And um, I think like another one of my little pet theories is um, uh, Pollock's Jackson Pollock's role. And, and of course at this show. They oh should, yeah. Like, let's get into that bastard. Oh, that were great. Just what a little failure. <laughs> it's wild to see like how he really just like ripped off Orozco like he it, w- when you yeah. look at the um like the chapel piece and then that Orozco did and then you look at the piece that's like right 
on the opposite wall um, that Pollock did. It's like the crappiest study of the formal qualities of like one section of the Orozco piece. And then like done in some like smudgy oil stick or something that was like, what are you even trying? Like, are you like, why are you also here? To, to me, it's like, it's so intentional, like kind of like what you were saying before, Lucia, about like how the Rockefellers were very like en- enterprising and wanting to like absorb this type of artwork. Like it feels very, um, it, it feels very intentional for, for them to be like, yeah, we want, we want this sort of like feeling, this sort of like spirit of like, Utopian. Um, uh. of like sort of honoring things like, to to me, I kept like thinking ab- about um, the way now, like um, Black Lives Matter is getting reduced to painting Black Lives Matter on the street. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And, it- and so, it, to me, if I'm if I'm the fucking if I'm the CIA, of course I'm gonna get a couple of guys to try to learn these sort of like techniques. Um, and, That's and a great theory. Plant have art. I mean, but it's it's and it's confirmed. Like the, you know, people have written about Paul, Jackson Pollock's ties to the CIA and stuff. It's um, yeah. yeah. I like the idea that he was recruited at a very young age. <laughs> what? And, and maybe that's why he was just get doing it so half-assed. Well, I mean, I think he. Yeah, you know, it's funny because it's like he reminds me of so many people in the art scene that are like trend chasers and it, and it there's actually there's like a whole market for people that learn a, a style and then they just like propagate the style people are into it and it's fine because you know there's more than one place to put art and you know usually it's like not that big a deal if there's like a school of making but where this kind of becomes an issue is when the people who are like initiating the style are actually trying to propagate revolutionary concepts and they have like skin in the game, you know, because they're trying to like bring honor to a, to a culture that is like on display and, you know, no, and it ch- and challenges like if to bring, like, to yeah to try to tie this um like in indigenous tradition like for coming from like you know Mayan and Aztec like, um, uh, public like art basically like like wall wall art um, and building off of that and like, um, synthesizing that with like different types of European art traditions um. Uh, to bring that from um to then like take the jump and bring that from mexico to the united states which like of like i think it's a very um it, it is it is a very like important thing that like like r- you know rivera for like he's like trying to to be the best sort of like bourgeois revolutionary he can be by hi- hiring um black artists and japanese artists to work with him like i i like that's pretty incredible for 19 uh what is it 30 
something (laughs) like yeah yeah no definitely i mean yeah there and their reach was there it was so it was so sweeping like uh i i thought it was interesting that they had some jacob lawrence pieces included in the show too who um i don't know uh there was just a big jacob lawrence show um at the met where he uh like there were these uh panels that were the kind of like history of america and how fucked up and white supremacist supremacist it is but like yeah jacob lawrence is you know he's an african-american who fought in world war ii so like imagine how ghettoizing that is uh with all the like Tuskegee experiments and stuff like bad, bad times. (laughs) Um, But after that, he um, started making all of these paintings about uh, like the, the, the kind of complicated history of America. And um, he was like fully and completely also inspired by the Mexican muralists. Like, I don't know. It's it's crazy to see like not not just how many people were hired by them, but like how many people just came into contact with them. And um, just the scene that they're building was an international. Like there, yeah. the, just the fact that there was an international that they were all in conversation and all like thinking through these same things. Like the one that I took a picture of was Itaro Ishigaki's. Um, you know. Uh, the zero hour like yeah very like revolutionary like it's 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 such a beautiful piece it's like it's it's men and women of different nationalities like in an uprising in an interrevolutionary moment like and it it, it brings in it bring it, it brings in the rest of the world to this conversation not just the americas like it brings in uh in you know like these japanese american artists like being critical of the Japanese Imperial Army, um, being critical of like the different conflicts going on with Russia and China, like everybody's there at that show. <laughs> yeah, like, it's- to show rocks, and <laughs> and you know if you can't see it, I'm sure there's going to be a book. There, yeah, I think there is a book, and it, it, it is worth getting. Oh yeah, we should get the book. Yeah, I've never been. <laughs> convinced to see a show then yeah yeah on, on the <laughs> like last day <laughs> I during the what yeah it's like three days i mean and the website only has like five examples so it seems like i really got to go to that well as somebody who wasn't familiar with this work really at all um i, I just like it was so full of surprises um I like it it kind of blew my mind that um or I feel like every person who I have made comics in the past every person who has ever wanted to make comics you should go to this show because it's like also just pure draftsmanship like it's magic um like many many people <laughs> in this show uh and and yeah yeah it 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 shows like it's so like antithetical to how people like to teach art history right and and this i want to go back to pollock because like i feel like someone like pollock becomes really important to the cia like you know whether it's like he was like actually recruited or whether he's just like a very useful 
in, in a very useful position for, for them to advance a certain type of individualist, like, um, art, like it makes sense. Like given, like given the way we teach art history, especially in the United States, it's like this singular genius, like did that, like yeah. it, compare it, compare this show to the fucking Warhol show that we did the walk, walk through. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Instead, instead of it being like, look, Warhol discovered all of these people. And, and he like, did all of these prints and paintings. They're all Warhol paintings, guys. Like, no, a whole entire factory made all of these things and there was a scene and they're not they're not pawns. They're they're the true cultural talent. That's actually what the value of Warhol is, is the scene he was exploiting, not Warhol himself. And let's go back to the way tools are talked about in this show. Another really interesting uh, layer to um, how to think about um, how the artists were thinking about their materiality. Oh, like, yeah. And, and thinking about like, like part of what Pollock was uh was was getting from them was like like they wanted they would do these like d demonstrations of like well here's this like airbrush technique that we use and like use it in like it's used in like commercial settings but like we use it to do this or like yeah and that was know, like Sikieros um specifically right. discussing the way that um material usage should uh be a conveyor of the revolutionary concept within your art and yeah yeah to like take that and then um yeah and it's it's just like that's such a so if you think about that compared to warhol right like you, you think of like warhol being like yeah i took like the commercial process of silkscreen and instead of like um honoring that sort of process as like a a sort of um almost i don't know maybe not as like a collective act but like as um as something intentional it it becomes a a means to an end it becomes a um yeah i silk screen because i can do like a hundred of them <laughs> really fast yeah <laughs> and it's pure capitalism he just like he but but that's what he wanted to be that and and i i mean for that purpose it's it's fascinating to see somebody like empty themselves and become a kind of like a black hole for a scene of people who are still trying to like you know actually discover an identity for themselves and and i want to add too that like i think that pollock couldn't really reckon with these two ways of thinking about art i think like being e exposed to um, this more expansive um, art with like a um, it, uh, with a real with stakes like you're saying Lucia with like revolutionary purpose and then like being like constantly like leveled up and drummed up by all these like dealers and like you know I did want to talk about Jerry Salt a little tiny bit uh, <laughs> oh go for I'm it sorry <laughs> Because he was he was Twitter person of the day yet again oh. like three he's probably one of the only people who've gotten it like three times at like or more oh my god 
and for for his latest thing, um, it, Lucia is uh, really in, it's really good to not be on Twitter. I, yeah, it hit me with it. Just pull the bandaid <laughs> off. I'm ready. <laughs> his big thing was like the critic should be working like a a hundred times more than the artist and the critic is its own art and like blah 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 get out wow yeah i know that was i mean what a bunch of like uh (laughs) i don't know like drivel like like (laughs) you know what Actually, I think apples are the best fruit, and if you don't think so, well, you're probably all you're a banana, you silly goose. Come on now, I'm I'm a professional. I know what I'm talking about. Read my blog. It was just this, like idea that you. Well, he used the term like you just show up as the artist, and then God speaks through you. I need and to I'm the one to clean up your mess. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, the, okay. So I needed to to bring up. So I was I was uh, talking with friend of the show and, and famous artist uh, Artie Vierkant about this a little bit, and um, <laughs> you know he first sent me this um, picture. I forget. It's from like Hackers or something, and it says like, "Hello, a strange game. The only winning move is not to play." And he's like, <laughs> "Like read Jimmy Dore discourse." And I was like, "Well, wait. This also applies to Jerry Saltz and." And um, he's, I just wanted to credit him with the saying this because like, I totally agree, but he was saying like, um, I feel like the thing almost universally everyone missed in their dunks on the salts tweet is that Jerry is right only insofar as he spent his career seeking out paralyzingly surface level art that probably actually is just simply created, then um, it's up to him to furrow his little brow and try to write an essay about how it's profound. Wow. And it's like, he's just talking like, about himself as a character in the world that he has subsumed himself in. Right. Well, it's like, he's, it, it's like, cause on Twitter, it's like all of these like illustration and kind of craft minded people like dunking on the tweet being like, you could never put more work into this than me. And, and it's like, he doesn't well he's just a re- troll he's a troll but he also he doesn't review that type of work he just right. does he's he's a positioned to to be a, a um to be a like a pr for a certain type of work like similar to people building up pollock and building up pollock as this big important thing where maybe it's not that important. Maybe people are just buying it because they see whatever they want to see in it. Me and Lucia were talking about this a lot. Oh yeah, we at the show, and it just feels like. Well, the thing that's is, sometimes the role of these these critics. I, I don't know though, like because we're we are like talking about the art world, and one thing that's for sure is that it can be whatever you want it to be. So like. <laughs> If people want a Pollock, like you can get a Pollock and it doesn't actually matter who says what about it. It's for sale. And like, and all of this stuff is for sale. All of this art is in people's collections. It's not like, oh, there's some true real art that exists outside of this. And you should be really paying more attention to this or that. It's like, no, you know what? Sometimes 
when I'm when I'm going around Artland, I just really want to look at like some cool textile work where people like dyed fabrics in a neat way and like tacked it to the wall. And then I'm like, damn, that really like is pleasurable to look at. Like I'm so glad somebody made it. Sweet. But like, you know, conflating the two things I think is what the issue is. Like if you're just making some abstract work, like don't say that the soul of America is this abstraction. Like, I mean, that's one of the things I like Thomas Hart Benton for speaking of someone who was like also a critic. He was kind of well known for saying that um, abstraction actually is an elitist form of production because it doesn't allow anyone who hasn't been versed in visual, like, you know, uh, nuance to access it. Or like, like the language of it, the language of formalism. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, it's like if people get a taste for Pollock, you can't help it. Like some people have a taste for um, caviar, you know, some people have a taste for diamonds and some people think they're gaudy. Like who knows? All I'm saying is that there are government and political actors that want people to get a certain taste for certain things. Oh, of course. Okay. I agree with you guys, but I also think it's like a lot of the formalist techniques or just a lot of the kind of things are kind of abex work in, in the West was like, like, like people can relate to abstract works. Um, but I don't think they necessarily need to learn that uh, maybe for a Pollock. Um, but, you know, if you look at, Chinese painting in like the 1600s you'll see something that has like a, a a very similar thing going on oh yeah I mean Sarah that's like the the that's the truth yeah. the truth of it is that aesthetics exists without your critique of them like and people yeah. can gravitate towards whatever they want but maybe um to narrow it down a little bit it's like during this time um people who were creating more figurative work, um, they're thinking a little more about what they can convey directly to, um, to what kind of audience. And there was a really clear dichotomy between whoever was doing stuff that was just supposed to be like sensorially pleasing versus like the Mexican muralists who were going about making images in a direct way that could be impactful and that could be easily read to people who like had never read a book you know like they had an education mission and, yeah. and we got to remember like not a lot of access to photos not a lot of access to books exactly not, so it's like you know. who are these people who are in these paintings like oh these are all revolutionaries now we have like this ability to start a conversation like these are the workers and you can recognize yourself in them and then who are they surrounded by and what are they doing? Like they are building the world. They are struggling with forces that are like, you know, the splitting of the atom and like, and like the birth of a, of a new world. And it's like, wow, shit, I am important. But like, this what is else? This mural, by the way, Darcy. <laughs> it is. Yeah, this is all in the mural. This is like the centerpiece of the mural is this building a new world. Like it's it's conveying so much. And there's like, and then there's yeah. issues of like of evil too. It's like is is what man can create also like a dark force? It's so dope. <laughs> it's really good. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's like then, um, it, it, there's 
yeah, but there's, of course, there was a reason why that had to get painted over. There's a reason why um, we don't learn that much about the Mexican muralists in in art history survey one and two. Like there's yeah. like, but um, that we a clear, but then we do reason. learn, um, Frida Kahlo. Oh yeah, do you want to talk about that? Your theory about that a bit? Oh yeah. All right. So I'm I'm thinking it r- roughly along the lines of like how CIA picked up um, uh, Pollock. It's like I think that you know the general trend of art historians um, sort of like pick up Frida Kahlo as this kind of revolution light, where it's the feminist revolution, and it's like oh, well, this is going to be fine to propagate, like, oh, and, you know, and people can be like, oh, Frida Kahlo was, like, really downtrodden by her, um, like, abusive partner, whatever his name is, Diego Rivera or whatever. I don't know. It's like, screw screw that. Right, that fits in. And and it's like, oh, so you're never going to look at his work because it's like, oh, well, he's just an abuser. Because it's canceled. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Which is kind of... Yeah. Which is, I get it what I call armpit feminism. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Very literally, yeah, uh, the, the perfect... Anyway, go on. Sorry. But it's also the feminist revolution is safer for capitalists because the feminist revolution gave them yeah. more workers. Yeah, um, and this is all... It's like all identity-based revolution is going to end up with the demands being met of like, Oh, well, did you want just like more access to material resources? Do you want like a better place in the market? Do you want like to just be respected and like we'll change some legislation so you can like have your own credit card? More women guards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's also talk about how public, let's go back a little to public art because like when we stepped out on the balcony, of course, we saw. Barry Diller Island. Oh, God. Barry Diller. What is that place? It's it looks like a bunch of golf tees with dirt on top. <laughs> it's pretty fucking amazing. It's like and it, it is such a microcosm of how like shit is working right now too with like, you know, the spectacle of like tearing down the statues, leaving the statues. Like that isn't much easier concession for the ruling class right now than it is to like actually give material things. Whereas like I think in the 30s you could you could still argue yes these these statues are very educational and very important. It's so much less so now um given that like honestly we can look up these shitheads on Wikipedia and be like whoa like it's honestly it kind of works in the inverse, don't you think? Like like having these like shitheads <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> And then you look up who the shitheads are and you're like, why is the statue of this shithead up here? There's something fundamentally wrong here. Well, it's because <laughs> it's a, a very specific intimidation tactic. But as, if, you're look, if you're looking for the, an, the answer I to... I agree with you there, Sarah. Yeah. yeah. And, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I take, take all the stupid... I don't ever want to have to think about what the horse's feet up in the air means he died in battle he died at home <laughs> and we're not gonna run out of all of these like psychos who like sponsor a wing in the moma like we're not gonna run out of leon blacks there's always gonna be we'll, we'll find the new one and we'll point him out more women beans <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work cut that 
<laughs> oh no, keep it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then all right. So we we had a really we had a we had an in depth kind of uh romp through the Whitney, and then we went to Starbucks. We went to Starbucks. Ooh. Yeah. We took we took a walk around the village. We looked at all the big fancy flagship stores that were completely empty. We looked around for an independent coffee shop. Um, any whereas like any independent store at all was just completely shuttered, um, completely oh. out of business. Yeah. But but that's good because without any of the foot traffic being directed there, they had time to like put some more cobblestones in, which is great because it's like real right. old timey streets that are hard to like ride a bike on or like you know whatever. It's all lumpy. You can't wear your high heels there, but. You know, and then you have all these really like weird new skyscrapery looking things. So everything makes a lot of sense in in the in Manhattan. It's really yeah, good. They're expanding the cobblestones to reach the Google headquarters, so that the Google employees can feel like they're preserving something old. Yes. Yeah, you know. But and the Starbucks the high rises. Darcy, you have to go take a walk there. Yeah. I was down. Oh, man. You can just imagine all the pigs running around. (laughs) Just click clacking. (laughs) I mentioned that, right? That the the feral pigs? Oh, I love the feral pigs. That there were feral pigs around New York? Yeah. Oh, okay. They actually were like garbage disposal service, essentially. For the entire, uh, definitely for the Lower East Side. But yeah, and then they were used, they were thought of as like uh, food for anyone who's destitute, and that's why when they slaughtered them all, there were riots. Oh fuck, that's amazing. Oh, I didn't know that part. New York is so fun. Yeah, yeah, there were riots. They were like, "This is our, they're our resource. They clean up for us, and then they're our food when we need it." There was also some drama. Drama. There are uh, with the New York. Uh, like the movement of people having dogs so people were like angry that some people could have dogs and there were their farm anyway that's wild i completely agree i feel like all right too off topic well animals the- are bullshit you should be able to get a ferret <laughs> yeah i grew up with a skunk i am very very pro weird animals as long as they're not suffering yeah we should bring the pigs back. Is basically we what should I'm bring saying. the pigs back if they're going to bring back the cobblestones. If they're going to literally repave cobblestones, re-add them. It's so the tech- dumb. Like so okay, you guys, we haven't even gotten to this Starbucks. Oh, yeah. Is oh, I know what you're talking about. I know the Starbucks. Ugh. It's the Starbucks Reserve, and it's across the street from the Google headquarters, and it's next to the Apple Store. And it, expansive. It's like a factory in a steampunk hell Ooh, i've never been inside but i have heard i heard that it was coming i heard that a special starbucks what did they do it's got art it's got public art you know they commissioned a local artist it has a little placard I sent uh, all right. So I sent a photo. Um, okay, took uh took my picture in front of the cool new bronze, bronze fucking wall piece, like a whole bronze wall of the siren, of the Starbucks <laughs> siren, just like coming out of the wall, like it's a like it's a classy looking 
thing. And I, I sent the picture to a friend of mine and I was like, hey, doing great over here because I have two thumbs up. And they're like, wow, that piece is stunning. Where is it from? And I was like, <laughs> oh no, it got in your brain. It's in there now. It successfully came across as art. Right? Yeah. Like Imagine you a mermaid, the mermaid as like a cause, whatever his name oh, is. Oh, cause? Yeah, that's. It's no, it's like a flat one. It's like, it's not like a three dimensional bronze. It's like, it's like um, a relief I mean, where uh, the where mermaid is like kind of emerging from the wall, but the whole wall is also bronze. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, she's coming out. I would say that if you went down the block, you could go to Blue Bottle, but Blue Bottle is Nestle, I found oh, out. Oh, yeah, evil. Also evil. Yeah. Super evil. That's really. Yeah. It's really no ethical consumption all the way down. Yeah, huh? but I did get um like I got like a like a fifteen dollar piece of pizza oh, yeah. the at the Starbucks and um and it tasted just like Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> Probably was. I was like, wow, yeah. it's worth it for the nostalgia alone. I haven't had Pizza Hut in forever. <laughs> and and I got a, a an iced coffee that tasted exactly like when like. McDonald's rebranded as McCafe and, and the coffee was good. So it's good. <laughs> I only got coffee at McDonald's once and they put like 70 sugars in it. It's like literally undrinkable. But you have to get the McCafe. And also when I was in Japan, the the I, w- I would get McDonald's coffee because it was like less than a dollar for like a, a nice size iced coffee. And it was like, it was that same quality of the But all of their trash is better than... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But- They've had phases of drinking, like like being able to be like, oh, whatever Starbucks is here, I'll just drink whatever. But then, whenever it's been a long time and I taste it, there's just like the visceral reaction of bad, <gasps> where I'm like, I want to get into the like, uh, like the really elaborate milkshakes that they basically like only the, the Zoomer like, TikToks that are like, if you go yeah. up, you'll ask for like. Yeah, strawberry sugar things, and then a passion tea, and then a freaky creamer base of a frappuccino, which is a clear liquid that makes things milky, frothy. Science, I alchemy, mean, incredible. This is all. This is all <laughs> stealing valor from the bubble tea places. So, <laughs> <laughs> when is Starbucks gonna let me give? The percentage of ice I want in my cup. Oh man! So all of this, sixty. All of this is making me think of a question that I had actually, like post muralist um, exploration, which was like, um, if if we are going into a time now where like the Biden administration might start a public works program for art, like. Um, and of course, like, like, okay, you were saying, oh, they'll probably will do like more Black Lives Matter um, murals and, and kind of go down that road. But I was wondering if there was a moment of like um, trying to identify what our national identity would be, you know, because it's like, it, would it be like the McNaughton paintings or whatever of like Trump on the football field? Like, no, that <laughs> yeah. those, those infuriate some people. Oh, like, you're cut out of it, but it, 
Wait, yeah, say again. Is it like the McNaughton painting? Oh, yeah, it's like, it's like, is our national uh, identity like a McNaughton or is it like, uh, you know, Thomas Kincaid kind of thing? Or is it, or is it like, (laughs) you know, is it Jeff Koons? Is it like Marina Abramovic? Like, what, like, how could you? A Chipotle? Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's what, (laughs) and then I thought, oh, maybe it's the Starbucks art, you know? Maybe this is our, our right. middle ground kind of like this is our mestizo identity but we're yeah. like mixed with brands now yes no dude lucia i won't that's so brilliant yeah because I, I also wanted to bring in like the current conversation around like cia rebrand and like feeling feeling like like there is um this embrace of the like ironic t-shirt right. as the national identity and um i think you're onto something because uh like like that's sort of like you know bon jovi in concert uh, <laughs> 2003 like like that is so funny to people that like you know biden's trying to cash in on that and like you know kanye stylist is is selling it to the to everybody yeah. and it's so much a, a definition of America, America, or like I've I've just been seeing it as like millennials are becoming the like majority or like the largest uh, generation, and that they just have to like appeal more to us. We're a larger market because we're share. like so irony and, poisoned yeah. that like everything is just a joke now. Yeah, you gotta like make a Daniel Claus soda for me. <laughs> That's real, by the way. Well, oh, wait, yeah, because wasn't there a Taco Bell? No, there's a Sean Mendez Taco Bell, I think. I would oh, go there in a heartbeat. There's, there's another one because it was the Travis Scott McDonald's. Right, meet. right. How am I missing all of these important news items? And, Dude, I, yeah, I'm brand partnerships like instant, like, oh, I'm partnering with whatever underwear company. <laughs> Because they sent me underwear. It's like, no. I, I have bought the, the underwear sponsored. What? Oh no, I was just saying that I've bought the fucking oh, you should get an underwear sponsor, Darcy. Is oh, they, okay. So I missed their DM. They DM me and then they and then I saw it in my like because I don't look at Instagram and I was like, oh damn it. And I and I wrote them back knowing that I'm never gonna like post them and then they sent oh anyway so they sent me underwear but they sent me way less than everyone else and i wasn't maybe because they knew i wasn't gonna post it but also maybe to testify i'd post it I'm not posting it but now i have three new underwear from- that's nice yeah great Decent. anyway but yeah the brand, the brand partnerships thing yeah i mean that's real like I, it works on me i bought the the takis totinos like three times already that's good okay <laughs> It's really good. Well, like, with the Scott meal, it's like the only thing in like it's everything that's on the menu. It's just that he gets a sprite and a quarter pounder with cheese, and barbecue sauce. Right. Oh. <laughs> and it's just like you just get you just say that it's Travis Scott approved. <laughs> Sick. Well, yeah. How I mean, much, how much do you get for something like that for for being the approver? It really, yeah. It's it's a lot. I mean, because he's also like in all the commercials too. Like that's a it's millions of dollars, at least. Nice. You know? Oh, a fun fact about it is that the it's light ice. No, it's extra ice in the sprite, so you get less sprite <gasps> when you order the. Wow. What the hell? 
So they know how. But if it was like a celebrity, yeah, the celebrity is what feeds you actually, like that extra little bit more. Yeah. When you drink it, you run on approval. Yes, I I can feel it now. I can actually once I accepted the idea, I received a little bit of um health points. Like I just it's like consumerism's <laughs> dead. Thanks, Deathbusters. Well, yeah, I, I I think I think we've hit like this show was very very clarifying for like a lot of stuff we've been rattling around on this show lately. Um. I, I I think I hope po- folks look into it more themselves and and see some clarification and like I I what I really like about every time we we go to Chelsea Lucia is that we find these other things to to tie into the Chelsea experience. <laughs> yeah. That like yeah, it's the the art doesn't um uh stay in the museum. You know, it's everywhere. We're we're looking at the street. We're looking at the coffee. And we're gonna tell you what we think about it. It's like, it's like the that vegan meat company that use like Zapata to sell the meats. And then um I and I'm vegan and I never heard of them until they were written about for union busting, like really. Oh, just- oh <laughs> good job. Irony oh, yeah. is real. That's the thing. I mean, we're the biggest generation, but we're also um we're not having children. So mm-hmm. th- did you guys see that like uh, during COVID, like they're like, oh, even more people have babies, and it's actually less. Oh yeah, who? Oh my God, who wants to have a baby right <laughs> like, now? Obviously, yeah. No. Not that maybe the horrific pandemic and conditions would make people want to continue their bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I've got to have a lot of really young children around because they're the only ones who are gonna be able to get groceries. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, we're this like we're this lost generation. We we feel really, um, yeah. We have we have to have an ironic detachment from everything because it's like brutal all the time. I think Gen yeah. Z also just has it right about us. We're just like fucking whiners. But, I mean, we were really bullied for a while. Yeah, see, like- and then the Zoomers swoop in, and everyone's like, "They're changing the world," and it's like, who do you think taught them to do that? <laughs> or I mean, <laughs> really us, but like. We did some work with bullying them into doing that. I really. Yeah. What do you? The, think? We didn't protest the Iraq War for nothing. I didn't walk out of ninth grade. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> dude! It's true. Like we did red vigils like all over the country every Wednesday to yeah. protest the Iraq War, and like that gave us Obama. That Safe was spaces like- and co- and like safe space millennials popularized safe spaces which then led to people making fun of safe safe spaces which then led to oh yeah <laughs> safe spaces to be anti-safe spaces we yeah. also did a lot of work with up. like gender and or like yeah, hey what if we up. what if we are the generation that is like in between being totally shit on by like SNL comedians who are like dudes that just put on a dress and go like, ha 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 ha, now I'm a joke. And then like, and then you make it to like 30 and all of a sudden everyone's like, dude, who isn't trans? Yeah. Like, fuck you. It's like, what? (laughs) Oh yeah. I guess that was like nothing though. We lived through. (laughs) We lived through. (laughs) 
We really do through Dane Cook. Yeah. I mean, I want I want our younger listeners and our older listeners to imagine what it was like to be in middle school during the three seasons of the Chappelle show. <laughs> or Family Guy premiering and then or the Meg Family character Guy. ruining your oh, life. Because no. oh. you're like, I don't want to be a Meg. <laughs> I don't want everyone to make fun of me and hate me, including my family, you know? Oof, that's scary. Or I think it's le- probably less, I'm just speculating, it's probably less frequent to have like some uh, bro, whether frat bro or just art bro, queuing up like YouTube videos to make you watch like comedy sketches oh, yeah. or like whatever. <laughs> or like, uh, like some song and then just like, hushing you down so you can hear a part like that's probably it's probably more frequent to like tell them that they're losers now maybe not <laughs> i also yeah, I think it's easier to track. dave Chappelle is brilliant i don't but it was really rough being in middle school yeah i mean just the re- recycled punchlines that people would do yeah it was like uh, and stuff. i'm in a glass yeah, box of emotion <laughs> I still reference. I mean, me and my brother took a break a few years. We'll still reference some Chappelle show, but it has the layer of millennial irony of quoting. Dude, like my godfather did the sets for Chappelle show. It was like a whole thing in my life. The Rick James couch was like (gasps) in my hometown, and so cool. So basically, if we were gonna have like. If we were going to have like a rebirth of a muralist tradition where we like lifted up the people, we would probably have Rick James there, but not Rick James. We would have Dave Chappelle as Rick James, but he would be like, you know, there in the middle and he would be like, you know, with a word bubble that says, I'm Rick James, bitch. And everyone would be like, yeah, now I have the strength to really carry on because I know who I am. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Well, that's the thing you're, you're you're thinking on the double irony brain. That's where we need to figure out the perfect like synthesis of irony and sincerity, and and then like, keep making art. Uh, <laughs> Aww. All right, all right, guys. We should we should really wrap up. All right, support us on Patreon. Uh, thank Let's you. have fun. Lots of fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Lots of fun.